This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan where Mike is putting the finishing touches on his new chair. And we ask the question... Well, I kind of want to play a highlight. Have you caught the fever of cut number seven, this individual right here? Lankford might have had his second home run absolutely over bar 352. Second home run of the game, third RBI. This guy is crushing double A, and now Frisco leads 10 to 1. There are 17 people at that game, it sounds like, but have you caught... Wyatt Lang for fever yet. And are these projections from Major League Baseball doable for him in 2024? Let's start with the fever. Do you have Wyatt Langford fever? Yes. Uh, and I think I caught it during his double A stint. Every day there was an update on what he did, and it was like four for four, three for four, <laughs> yeah. two doubles. Every day, and it wasn't a bunch of bombs, but it was a bunch of hits. And Mike, you and I have been uh, fighting for hit machines in baseball again, rather than just home run machines. And and hitters are um, like Freddie Freeman. I heard Sean this morning say he is a professional hitter and everybody wants a Freddie Freeman on their team. White Langford is definitely I'm 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 definitely in on that, dude. One hundred percent. The Rangers. Obviously, we have Evan Carter coming up. If you think about the greatest Rangers of all time that somewhat developed with the Texas Rangers, Pudge Rodriguez, Juan Gonzalez, Michael Young somewhat, you traded for him halfway through or a little bit halfway through his development from the Toronto Blue Jays. And I have to admit, I do still think of him as a Rangers developer. And that's why I'm saying yes, because you didn't trade for him or sign him like you did Corey Seager. Love Corey Seager. But could they have got another, in a weird way, I hope he's better than this, a Juan Gonzalez. Juan Gonzalez won two American League MVPs. Obviously, his career was way shorter than anybody thought. But it's been a while. And as great as the Rangers were in 2010, 2011, and maybe you look at Josh Hamilton in a way like that, but Josh Hamilton obviously in the end disappointed most Ranger fans with how quick it ended. And when he left... It was over. His career pretty much ended. He made a lot of money, but his career pretty much ended. And so, yes, I'm intrigued. Could we be all excited about Evan Carter? And then all of a sudden, a guy months later comes up and you go, Evan Carter is a great supplement to this guy. So that's interesting because that is what Major League Baseball is projecting for next year. And we're going to nerd out with numbers just a little bit here. WRC plus and just to make that even more complicated it's a little W and then a big RC and then the plus sign is this an expected number uh Kevin because 
in the idea of expected number, I always have some confusion on where did you get that expectation from. Uh, but what is okay? So WRC plus takes this. It's weighted runs created. So it takes runs created, and it was like your analytical stat is dumb and not enough. So what we also need to factor in is external factors like the ballpark or the era or whatever. Here's the thing that will help you out that will I think will be super helpful for people. A WRC of 100 is league average. All right. So if you're 150, that means you're 50% better than the league average. Okay. All right. Which is, I mean, does anybody, what did, I don't even know. Does a lot of people, I feel like 120 is pretty stinking awesome. Okay. Actually, it's interesting that you say that. I, but I need to maybe know. I need to go back and look at like Aaron Judge in 2022 and see I'm what I'm willing his... to wager it was higher than okay. that. But MLB.com, they put together a bunch of player projections for 2024. What I thought was interesting is they project Wyatt Langford with a WRC plus of 121 mm. with 16 home runs and 10 stolen bases. So, tw- so he's only 21% better than the rest of the league. Now you say that, median, but that's the best of all rookies. Okay. For example, they have uh, Young-Hoo Lee at 116, Jackson Holiday at 108, and Evan Carter at 108. What? We've, we've already seen that it looks like Evan Carter is going to be awesome. And so MLB is like, over the span of the season, I think he'll be 8% better. Wyatt Langford, 21% better, which that's encouraging to me. Dude, he stepped on a on a pro field yet. I, and that's the hype level, and that's why I'm asking if people have caught that fever. There is This is a big difference, too, between the story of David Clyde in that nobody's expecting him to come in and save baseball for sure. the Rangers. We just won the World Series. Our team ain't moving. <laughs> yeah. You're 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 coming in and you're like, you have something to live up to, but it is greatness and success. Yes. Not I everything's relying on me. So uh man, that's uh that's a really big number and I'm uh, I'm kind of curious on what Seegers is just for comparison. I want to know okay. Seegers. Let me look that up. And Mike, I checked for you. 2022 like, Aaron Judge's WRC plus was 209. So okay, so 209 like, is about as good as you can do. Yes, I would be inclined to agree with that. So they're like, you're more than twice as good as a regular baseball. Okay, player. all right, all right, and that, and that's the like because I'm interested in seeing like then okay where do we put this guy in the lineup like. Where could he be? Is he ahead of Josh Young? Is he behind Josh Young? Let me ask you a question about this, because in this projection from Major League Baseball, they have him playing 97 games. How would you feel about... A lot of games for a rookie, I feel. And would you feel good if he gets... 97 games. About 100 games. That'd be awesome. That'd be amazing. But I think that Ranger fans would be disappointed. I think they're expecting, I think most people are expecting right now, when I talk to Ranger fans, and I had to talk to Zach Wolchuk off the air and just say, hey, I'm just not sure about this. Yeah. I think most people are expecting him to be on the opening night lineup against the Chicago Cubs batting like seventh. And I just, unless there's an injury, I do think if you have an injury to Carter, Leoti, or Garcia in spring training, and they're not ready for opening day, I do think there's a good chance Wyatt Langford's on your opening day team. But besides that, I think if all three of those guys are healthy, I do think they're going to start Wyatt Langford in AAA and just make sure what he was doing last year is actually reality. 
because he might have just been really hot. I'm not saying he's a bad prospect. I think he, he's a guy who's going to, in his prime, probably hit 40 home runs and 100-plus RBI. Sure. But I think that right now they got to go, wait a second. He went from SEC baseball, which is like low-A ball baseball, and then he tore up everything in a short amount of time. Is this real? Is he that good? And maybe he is. Literally, maybe he is. But what's the harm in giving him 25 games in AAA to make sure that's who he is? I think back about when we asked Bochi. I'm not kidding. When we asked him that in September when the Rangers were struggling, I think he was, I thought he was going to scoff at that question about, oh, would you consider bringing up Wyatt Langford? And he goes, yeah, we've pretty much considered everything, and he might be the hottest hitting player in all of baseball. So we've considered it. That just shows the rapid ascent. Now, I think it's funny, real quick, Kevin. I think it's funny that you say you thought he would scoff, considering I, where they were at that moment yeah. where they were bringing in chickens' feet and all sorts of stuff to try and figure out what was wrong with their hitting. Very true. <laughs> now, for example, if you ask for more context yeah, about yeah, WRC, like where's Seeger's? Yeah. Seeger this past year, phenomenal, 169. So. Nice. Like, and and you said one twenty one for a guy that's not an MVP caliber guy yet, and that has literally never played Major League Baseball. It's a high expectation to put on him, but if he can live up to that, man, that is amazing. Because Mike Josh Young this year, did he? I think he exceeded all of our expectations. Agreed. agreed Do you agreed. think he can replicate that again multiple times in his career, the type of season that he had this year? I do. I think I need to go look at his numbers. Obviously, he missed time because of the thumb, broken thumb. I think he has room to improve. See, that's and that's what I think, too. But, but you could have – a. that's the tough thing is a, a month into the season, we go, oh, he's batting 209 or whatever. And it's like, give it time. You know, it'll – but I do think that Josh Young, I need to look and see, but I think that he can hit 35, not this year, but I think in his prime, he's going to be a guy that's somewhere between 30 and 35 home runs. Especially if you look at what you just said. If Wyatt Langford does develop and Evan Carter does develop and Corey Seager should stay this guy, this hitter, for the next three to four years. I, I, I can't tell you four years from now what he'll be, but for the next three to four years, he's going to be one of the best hitters in baseball. Simeon's going to be good. So that gives you a lot of protection. I can't pitch around Josh Young. It's it's going to be really tough, hopefully, to choose who's the guy that you don't want to face. And when you have a great team, like, crap, if I don't face Pudge, I'm facing Rafael Palmero. If I don't face Rafael Palmero, I'm facing Juan Gonzalez. I guess I'll go to Dean Palmer and see what happens, right? And you're like, crap, he's really good, too. He's not those three, but he's also really good. And that's those lineups like the Rangers had last year. It became really tough to choose, and I think – that it could be even a harder choice because Evan Carter wasn't on your team 90% of the time. Obviously, Wyatt Lankford wasn't there, and there were talk yes. of, hey, love our one, two, love our five through nine. It's three and four we want to improve on. Not that three and four were bad. It's just that the Rangers were kind of like, oh, it's three and four more of where we'd want to have five and six. And so maybe Evan Carter and Wyatt Lankford over time or Josh Young improving answer that hey, now we feel a lot better about one, two, three, four because we feel great about one, two, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Well, we bring new stats that are new to some people. I know you're aware of these stats, but like for the people that are listening, you brought up a good point about context. So Josh Young this past year, WRC plus of 110. And so basically Major League Baseball is like, that's about what we're projecting for Evan Carter next year. But we have Wyatt Langford at 121. That just shows the expectation level that I think is fun. 
but probably terrifying all mixed into one. Do you think do you think we have too high of an expectation for Evan Carter next year? Yes, cuz I think based that, on how good he was, I like, hit five home runs from September 6th or 7th when he got called up until the end of the, like And nobody had a book on him yet, if, and even Dusty Baker was like we we, know, we don't know enough about yeah. him yet. We got to figure him out. If you looked at his power in the minor leagues, you'd project him for 15 home runs next year. If you look at the month of September, you'd project him for 30 home runs right. next year. So if you're kind of like, I saw him hit five, and he could. He could do that. But I think realistically, you're looking at a guy who's going to get on base, if you're looking at his minor league numbers, he's going to get on base 40% of the time. And the Rangers believe he can do that. 35 to 40% of the time, he's going to get on base because he has such a good eye. Three, two. But if you were to say, are you projecting him to hit over 20 home runs? I'm guessing the Rangers would say, we would be ecstatic if he hit over 20 home runs. We're probably projecting somewhere in the teens in home runs. But, hey, the kid, I guess, you know, Michael Jordan, you think that his talent is somewhat unlimited. He is a skinny guy. Like, he's he has a 20 or 21-year-old body. He does not have one of those bodies where, like, he's 20, but his body's 25, 30 years old already. It's kind of like Profar was when Profar got up. Except I, way better. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Except for Profar's first uh, hit was a home run, wasn't it? Yes, it was uh, in Cleveland. The uh, but like Profar at that time when he was brought up was wiry. You know he didn't have that. And and whenever you grow it, things change. Your body changes, Kevin. You oh start to God. grow hair in areas. All right. I think they the Brady Bunch wrote a song about it. All right. Can I tell you cool opportunities to meet both Evan Carter and Wyatt Langford? What? I dare you. Just you just said two names. I dare you to say. Yes. I what dare just happened? You to tell me something. Evan Carter. And White Langford opportunities to no, meet them. No. Now, Mike, you might be sad about one of these because you're like, screw those kids. I want to meet him. Is the Evan Carter baseball pro camp is going to be rocking at Fort Worth Christian School February 10th, and it's open to boys and girls in grades one through eight, not former Texas Rangers who want to learn the fundamentals of I've baseball. Been all, I've been in all those grades. You, why did you <laughs> currently in grades one through eight. Oh. You are not. I can improve. Who want to learn the fundamentals of baseball and receive tips on hands-on instruction. EvanCarterCamp.com if you want to go check it out. What? It's oh, probably Evan Carter, what did you say? Camp. camp. EvanCarterCamp.com. Not spelled like your favorite com. band. That's two A's. Yeah. Okay. And then the I'm other signing up. Okay, you are not eligible for this. If you take my my age 4 6 and you add All those right. up it's 10. Let me ask 10 you. 10 year this. olds are available. There's one spot left. You signed up first. You show up to the field. <laughs> There's this little third grader that it got booted out of the camp because of you. Yeah. Would you give up your spot for that third grader? No. You're a monster. You push that third grader down I'd a hill. Peyton Manning Saturday night live it. All right. The other one I go get in the Porta potty and stay in there until I tell you to get out. The other one, Mike, which Mike you are style. eligible for, even though now I know you don't care about the rules, is our buddy Paul at Worth Collecting. Great donator to Peaceathon and my possibilities every single year. He is going to have Wyatt Langford out for a public signing from what? noon to 1 30, February 3rd. So, opportunity to do that next weekend maybe to take the kids out to the evan carter baseball camp all kinds of cool stuff i'm doing it all and we really do love paul because like i said he's a great contributor to peace every single dude, year man. 
if you need more information, we can definitely set you guys up with that. Coming up next. I'm going to make Evan Carter a casserole. If I can't be part of it, I'll just take a casserole out there. Like right. King Ranch casserole from Meat Church or yeah. something what different? What do you think when the kids' baseball camp starts and you show up there as an adult trying to give Evan Carter food, what do you think is going to happen next? They'll say, well, gosh. That's a really nice gesture. Holy smokes, this looks good. That okay, I could see that, and then his team will throw it in the garbage. Uh-huh. I, but his Mike, team, Mike. Do you do you have other mitts? Team's gonna be there? Or are you gonna walk up with like catcher's mitts is it instead and be like, you want to have a catch, Evan? I can throw. I tell you what, he struggles with lefties. There's <laughs> you no, better not say that. There's no better you better person not say that to get your confidence up than me. <laughs> than a lefty. Mike Let me best. throw batting practice. You'll feel much better about lefty on lefty matchups. Coming up next. I love it. How would you describe the Cowboys' way? And no, not that Woody Harrelson, Kiefer Sutherland movie. Okay, we'll do it next right here on 105.3. The- Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Man in motion, third down. They do blitz. He pumps. He throws it in the end zone. Touchdown over the top of Gilmore. Don Tavian Wicks. And the Packers are up three scores. KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan, 877-881-1053, truckwreck.com, text line if you want to get involved. Also, love hearing from the Twolos and the YouTubers. How would you describe the Cowboys' way? Now, Corey, I know something about the 49ers interested you in this, and I want to talk about that as well. But also something about the Ravens interested me about this as well. Do you want to go? You want to go 49ers first? Go reach into that Ravens bag real quick because I'm interested to hear what you have to say on that. Well, or I can start with the 49er way and their approach. Okay, here, this one is less detailed, so okay. let me just throw this out there: Is uh, Jim Nagy put out a tweet over the weekend? It was right after the Ravens had beat the Texans. During draft time, you always hear Raven scouts talking about finding guys who quote unquote are Ravens. There's been so much stability that being a Raven means something. This is a roster filled with Ravens right now. Such a well-built and well-coached team. They'll be hard to beat. And so I was just thinking about that. Like, I understand why people want to be on the Cowboys, but it feels distinctly different than why you would want to be on Baltimore. Like, I don't think anyone wants to go to Baltimore because they're like, that's where we'll get the most attention and money. But if they're like... Because these people have a similar mindset to me when it comes to competition and potentially winning, that feels like a gigantic deal. They're a grimy, a grimy bunch, a grimy, gritty group. And right. there are certain people out there that that's the way they think football needs to be played. And I think whenever you look at a lot of the winning teams, they find a way to do it. They find a way to win. Mahomes, would you say Mahomes is grimy and gritty at times? I would. I, I do. I think there are lots Broke of times. Broke his helmet. I was yeah. like, let's keep. Oh, my gosh. 
again, go back to the Super Bowl when he's laying down on his side, vertical or horizontal to the ground, making throws. He's doing everything he can. I know he lost that Super Bowl, but hell, that dude does it. He tries to find a way all the time. Uh, and I think that's a, I think that's a, a really big factor of trying to find those like-minded people, trying to find that bunch that this is our vision, this is what we're trying to accomplish. And Kevin, the vision statement of the San Francisco 49ers, and Bobby had a, he broke this down really well. I didn't want to focus so much on the two of of Shanahan and John Lynch as much as the characteristics of what do you believe the Cowboys should be looking at it this way? Because when Jerry Jones is putting this together and Mike McCarthy's putting it together. We've heard we want the player to look a certain way on this team. Dan Quinn wanted longer, stra- faster, stronger guys. Well, they they got faster this this season at linebacker, but I don't believe they were bigger and stronger. Uh, and I think that was something that they they uh, compromised of themselves. The 49ers vision statement had two things: a talent and spirit. All right. So under the talent was speed. Physical toughness, character traits, don't know what that is, uh, scheme fit, and football IQ. Knows the game. He knows the game sure. well, which we talk about Jason Kidd as a f- basketball IQ guy. Dirk was a basket- high basketball IQ as well. When it comes to spirit, football passion, they love the game. That's something we've heard Jason Garrett talk about all the time, and that was a foundation of the Cowboys at the time in the Jason Garrett era was, do you love the game or are you just showing up to take your paycheck? Because Michael Irvin will have you cut. Like that was the, the idea back in the day was Michael Irvin would have you cut. Was that? Literally. Yeah. <laughs> Haircut. Mm-hmm. Contagious enthusiasm, mental toughness, dependable on commitments, accountable to self and others. You want players on your team that you're never having to question, are they going to be at practice? Are they going to show up on time? Are they going to do their work? And are they going to be involved in all of that to its fullest? And sometimes there have been questions about, even Cowboys that are on this team, that have been on this team before, their commitment to certain things, their 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 dependability on those commitments, their mental toughness. And I'm not, listen, I don't want to say anything about the, Kevin, there's a difference between mental health and mental toughness, I think. For sure. The ability to tell yourself, I have to get up and do this right now. Yeah. Uh, is, I think a lot of, it comes with a mental toughness. Mental health in that world because I don't want to be Skip Bayless on Dak. When Skip Bayless made a, a very atrocious thing, said a very atrocious thing about Dak that I disagreed with. Yeah, mental toughness, I think, can be like, can you get through a situation that is maybe difficult or not desirable, but it won't like necessarily affect your life going forward? Yeah. And mental health sometimes, for a lot of people, I know I felt in that space as well, it definitely can feel like a live-or-die proposition. The whenever whenever you start looking at that speed, the the talent part of it, that's Will McClay's job is to find the talent, right? His job is to find does, does that guy fast enough? Does he meet the criteria we have? Is he physically tough? So far, have you feel like do you feel like the Cowboys have found physically tough guys? No. I mean, I will I will I, admit just real quick, I can't play through a fascia tear. Uh so yes, Tyler Smith is tough. And and that's not to say when I say no, I mean like as the bulk of the group. That's not to say nobody on this team is tough. Like I'm not saying that at all. Just if you think of the bulk of the group, 
I would not describe this Cowboys team as a tough team. And whenever we look at... And I would say, don't compare them to us. Okay. Compare them <laughs> to other NFL players. Okay, they're very tough San to Fr- the listeners and us. San Francisco, I, would you, I know a lot of people love Nick Bosa. I think Fred Warner is the epitome of the San Francisco vision statement. He's fast. Phys- he hits you a ton. Uh, his character traits, high energy, lots of passion towards the sport. <clears throat> All those things and scheme fit. Like he fits anybody's scheme because he can tr- he can cover so much ground. But when it comes to physical toughness, what I think of is are they are they going to get beat up and bullied by an opponent? And if they're not, they're not going to let that happen. I want that guy on my team. So I was kind of that's why I sort of wanted to ask you guys what is what is your if you had the ultimate vision and you wanted to send it to Jerry Jones and Will McClay and Mike McCarthy of what is the cowboy way. This is not a Mike sarcastic approach to this. You watched Randy White. And if you want to say Randy White is the epitome of what the cowboy way should be, I'm damn, I'm right there with you. Everything that embodied, you heard him the other day. I thanked him for always being so kind and respectful whenever we've talked to him or met him. And he said, my dad would bop me on the head if I was anything other than that. There are so many good qualities about Randy White. So I wanted to kind of go through those things with y'all and what's important to this team. I this is a weird question that popped into my head. And you probably shouldn't ask this question cuz I feel like everyone would say yes in the moment. But look at your roster. How many of your players do you think if you're in a situation where either you're losing or it looks like you're not the better team or things just haven't gone your way, how many of those people are like we're still going to win this game? Versus so, how many people are like, well, you know, what can you do? Okay. And, like, if you ask them that, I'm sure everyone would be like, sure, we can win the game. But based on your observations, how many people, How what percentage of your roster is the guys that are like, oh, yeah, we'll win. The, we'll go win. I, I, I like this because, I Kevin. It's, it's tough to have more than a handful. That's what it feels like. I, I, I like what you're saying, though, because, it, and I know this is dumb, but it reminds me, you, you have, have said this before in real life. We had an editor at a newspaper that said, <laughs> maybe we're not built for an everyday newspaper. And you said, to hell with that. Maybe you aren't, but I am. And then you and I made that newspaper amazing together. Right. And it's it's kind of an us against the world mentality. Right. And, and I'm not hey, saying every person on your roster has right. to be that person, but it feels like it needs to be more than we have. When you're in a foxhole, can you rely on that person? Mike, what... You played on lots of teams that that had poor uh, chemistry and teams that have had great chemistry. What what were one of the things that you were like? That's a play. That's the kind of player I want. Well, one that is a very hard worker that goes even beyond what the coaches and your strength and conditioning coaches ask of you. I think uh, an example of that, not one of my teammates, but a guy that we got to know a little bit, hopefully we'll interview him this week or in a few weeks, is Josh Young. Yeah. Like, his work ethic is tremendous. Now, he was as good as he was. It doesn't mean he's the best third baseman in baseball, but you know that he's sacrificing himself to be as great as he can be for the team. Like, I mean, nothing against this, but he's a first round pick. He was going to get called up, he was going to be in the major leagues. Like, And I feel like there has to be some sort of work ethic commitment and that you will sacrifice sometimes your time for the organization. You know, I I find this interesting, the way you say that, too, because when you think of another, somebody just texted this name in, one of the players that that showed up at the Cowboys organization, lots of questions, right? 
about Charles Haley. I but can see that. Talk to Nate. Talk to Tony Tolbert. Talk to the guys that played with him, and they'll they'll say, yeah, wild other things also. But he also would be right there next to you on the treadmill talking about why it's important to be on the treadmill today. He would also be right there next to you running, you know, running sprints, telling you why it's important to be running sprints right now. He did the work. He didn't ask questions. He did the work that it took to be a great player. He didn't he didn't cut any corners on the way to it. So like that that's a that's a huge factor. Hard worker that doesn't cut corners. Can I say this? This is what I'm going to say is I think the tough thing is for decades now, the Dallas Cowboys have been about, in this order, money, fame, and I won't say the other one that Jerry really is strong on too. But these are three negative things. These things kind of come with winning. The reason that we see Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey on all of these commercials is because they've won two championships recently. Mahomes has won two MVPs plus the Super Bowl MVPs. So the thing that they have to try to get out of their organization is that Money and fame are more important than winning and sacrificing. I, I'm ser- I swear this is a serious question. I don't feel this way, but this is a serious question. Why? Because you don't necessarily need those things here. You said money and fame come along with winning, but not you here. You get those. You get you, those here. You get money and fame here. Some the the four- face of the franchise is Jerry Jones. Money, fame, and the thing that I will not say on the air are the three most important things to him and the three things that... He thrives on. From the 425, this makes me think of fraternities and their different personalities. Dallas seems to be a preppy legacy fraternity where you're oh, you're benefiting geez. based off of the things that other people did in the past. 100%. You get the fame. You're going to get the money because that's just what the Cowboys do. But you're going to get the fame no matter. You walk in the door, you're famous. That's just being a Cowboy. People are going to know you. From the 214 on offense, I want the type to seek contact opposing to ev- evade it. And on defense, I want guys just as proud to hit uh, to hit stick as a pick, so to to knock somebody out. And that is true. I want people that are whenever they're hitting, it's exciting. Kevin, we talked to we talked to plenty of those players that called it the money down yes. on third down. Right. And Leon Let, what was the thing Leon Let always told us? Everybody wanted to hear their name called for making the big play on third down. They had competitions. There's pride in in hitting somebody just as hard and making that bit making the crowd erupt the way that they did uh, and that's something right there too but i mean i think of it the cowboys had to win when you're talking about whoever you're talking about charles haley tony tolbert nate newton they had to win they, to prove something they were playing in a two-thirds full stadium a third of the stadium was empty at texas stadium in yeah. 1988 yeah. 89 90 that place was empty for games they had to win to fill it up. They had to win. If they wanted to be on the Pat Summerall, John Madden game, which was the game you wanted to be on back then, they had to win to get the Giants off of that game, to get Washington off of that game, to get those teams off of that game. They had to prove that they were worthy of that game. They don't have to prove anything. Here. I agree with all of that. I do. I promise. But there have to be people. I know for a fact there's people out in the world that are still driven by other things as well. Like you want the fame, the money, and all of that, but you're like, I want to f and win. There I, have to be there pe- are more people like that. But here. what if the leadership 
downplays that and upplays the money and fame and then the other thing that they're really into as now now you're going wait i did i did value those yeah. things at penn state mississippi state now obviously they didn't win anything there uh, oklahoma i'm naming the three most important players on the team right now and where they came from but then you get to professional sports and it's a different it's different and then you're like well what are the values of this organization and then you see as you want to win really bad you start seeing oh it's it doesn't money, yeah. fame, and other things. So I will tell yeah, unfortunately, you. Unfortunately, you kind of start feeling like, well, that must be professional sports. I will tell you that. Interesting. I have absolutely been at at least one job, if not two, where like I feel like I am determined on my own. Like I want to accomplish what I want to accomplish, and that stays firm. But at some point, you do start to realize like. The things around you don't value that, and it doesn't really make a difference one way or another. It's tough, right? And in, 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 in tennis or golf, I'm using a sport, you can make a difference on your own. You do need yes. somewhat coaches on the side, of but course. it's all somewhat up to you. But when you're working at a newspaper or, look, recently, I won't name the school. People will probably know it, but, like, I tried to help out a school for four years, man. I did everything I possibly could. I felt, and it just didn't matter. Like, I got to the point where I quit because I'm like, well, my kids aren't going here anymore. I tried my best. They don't want my help. They hate my help. They don't want to be successful. They want to stay at a certain level. They're comfortable at that level. And I feel like the Cowboys, Jerry Jones is comfortable here. There's nothing. Why does he have to win? I know Chris, I'm calling out Chris Arnold. I love Chris. But Chris has this belief that the Cowboys will be worth like two or three billion more dollars if they win the Super Bowl next year. I don't believe that. I believe that Jerry, they'll be worth the most all the time. But I don't think winning where if the Washington Commanders get the quarterback of their dreams in this draft with the number two pick and that number two pick leads them to the Super Bowl four years from now. I could see the value of that team going up $2 billion. But when you're worth more than anybody, any, more than the Lakers, more than the Yankees, more than the soccer, how does winning, is it going to to make it that much more? Maybe it would make it $500 million, But they're maxing out money. There's nothing Jerry can do. Winning doesn't motivate him as much as you'd want it. Does it motivate him? Yes, there's no doubt that there is a motivation yeah. of winning. But it's not number one. No, money, fame, and then the other thing are the three motivating factors in his life. And he's doing, for him, he's doing great with that. For us as a fan, you have to be okay with money and fame and that other thing leading the organization. Somebody did say from the 254, more of that Ferguson personality. And I would say that's a good one. On this team right now, that's where I would probably, look, I don't need CeeDee Lamb to be Fred Werner. Uh, I, I need CeeDee Lamb to be a star receiver. That is that is, But I also see CeeDee Lamb's work that I, he puts in. I'm like, that's everything I need out of him. But the more of that mental, I'm going to be the hitter, I'm going to be the, 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 the wrecking ball today, that's Jake Ferguson. And I would like to see more of that from both sides of the ball. If you see people smashing their helmets, that's the guy. If you see people calling to check on the logistics of their after party, maybe that's not the person. For the KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan. Didn't get a chance to mention this earlier, but the Dallas Mavericks and Tegna are teaming up to broadcast 10 games locally on WFAA. Now, the Mavericks already had three national ABC games. I was just thinking of it as Channel 8. And this will add 10 more to the deal for people who have had issues with Valley and all of that. So this will add 10 more local games to the Channel 8 
run. Now, it's time for some Mike Likes It. Okay, so to add to this, I'm about to talk about Adrian Beltre and where okay, he is yeah. on the greatest third baseman of all time. Now, obviously, there's multiple lists there, but I think of Adrian Beltre. Adrian Beltre added to a championship team here, and I know they didn't win it all. They won the American League and then lost to San Francisco, and then he was added the next year, and they ultimately didn't win it all, and they went to the playoffs three other times and ultimately did not go further than the divisional round in that. So that can I, – I can't contradict myself and say yeah. all these things, but Adrian Beltre's – let me – I'm going to add to this, Corey, as I get into Adrian Beltre. When I was on the Rangers in 2004, Michael Young was a young guy. We're about the same age, so he's in his mid-20s at that point. But you could tell you didn't want to let that guy down. And as he even grew, you're like, it didn't mean that they won it all, but you're like, who's on the Cowboys team? When I talked to, I remember David Conan, he talked about he was crying. After they lost to Seattle, if you remember in 1995, Seattle has the big hit to left field uh, down yes. the line. Griffey scores from first base, runs through a stop sign. Griffey wanted it. It well, feels that, like a very iconic moment. That was Don Mattingly's last game ever. The team was bawling because they thought they had the team, and they they just they felt like everything that year was we got to do it for Mattingly because he's a legend, and he's not going to really be remembered as a legend in Yankees history if he never makes it to a World Series. And they thought they had the team. They didn't. And so they they just were heartbroken. Don, uh, David Cohn was telling me almost for Don Mattingly. Are you going to be heart? Does this team feel like they're going to be heartbroken for Dak or heartbroken? I guess he's I'll go with an older guy, Demarcus Lawrence or uh, a Tyron Smith or a Zach Martin. Guys that are near the end of their career. Not that Dak is, but he's the main guy like Zach are, and Tyron, I think, yes, more than the rest. That the that those That's guys are like. That's just my feel. Yeah. I, I don't. Well, here's here's why I don't know. I felt they would have been that way for Tony Romo, and nobody was. They yeah. they, they turned their back on Tony Romo pretty instantly. Now, he was part of the Jones family. He was that, not part of the Cowboys team family. I will I will say That's, as many times as I was in that locker room, I did not see him leading the locker room. I saw him disappear to places, come out for his media times, and then disappear again. And I didn't feel like I saw a lot of personal relationships amongst those guys. I do feel like there are a lot of personal relationships with Dak amongst these yeah. guys. And maybe yeah. the, the what we saw with the tweets over the weekend from family members, maybe that was just spillover. But it does seem like they care. But they care different for Jerome Bettis the year that they, the, the Steelers won that Super Bowl. Yeah. They wanted to win it for Jerome. And I'm not saying that the Rangers had that guy. I, I don't know if the Rangers had that. We can't lose because of Nate Evaldi. I, maybe I, I Boach. Don't, I don't know. Maybe, you know, but maybe it was Boach. Boach was like, no, he's a champion, and we're going to disappoint him if we don't play like those those Giants teams play. Maybe so. I don't, but there's, like, Jerry's not going to be upset with you if you lose. Like, who's he been? Who's he, who's Jerry? Let me ask you this. Who's Jerry upset with? Us, he's upset with us, the us, media, yeah. for for not you know kissing his at, kissing his rear, mm. you know. Uh, at least he's he was going to say appetizers. Yeah, gotcha. That's All what right. he was. That was the third thing yeah. from before. That was the third. But thing. it's it's an interesting topic, and I remember being part of the Nationals. That was the worst organization I was a part of, and remember I was there in 07 and 08. Obviously, they started making the playoffs. How did they do this? Well, once people like they drafted these unbelievable players like Ryan Zimmerman, who's like, I'm not going to lose. Yeah. Steven Strasburg. And look, you can, he was a dominant pitcher when he was healthy. 
Uh, they just kept getting, and then they would get guys, free agents from other places, and then they ultimately won it when they got this 19-year-old who is arguably the greatest teenager in baseball history and Juan Soto that helped them uh, win a championship. But it's going to take a major attitude change, and I don't think that person is in that locker room. I was hoping to start this year. I was hoping it would be Micah Parsons, but we kind of find out Micah, the more we hear about Micah, the more we hear he's a great player, but not really a team leader. Yeah, no, so, I, I agree with so that. So he has this individually, he's a great talent and he helps you win, but he's not going to uplift an organization. So that's the tough thing about Micah. So now we know Micah's not the guy and we know Dak's not the guy. So who's going to be the guy that's going to be kind of, I put it on Bryce Harper. I know you're not a big fan of Bryce Harper, but Bryce Harper, Ryan Zimmerman, Steven Strasburg. I'm just going to my Washington National days on. All of a sudden, this organization that had a horrible, like, they didn't know how to develop players. Guys would sit out intentionally to to, to keep their, they go, I'm batting, I'm batting 270. I don't want to drop below two. So the last two weeks are like, I'm hurt. And I'm like, dude, being with Cleveland, and you're like, you don't do that. Jim Tomey would never do that. Kenny Lofton. Travis Fryman, Roberto Alomar, Omar Vizquel, Ellis Burks. Those guys would never do that. And we're not – guys, we're 20 games under 500. you You're going to sit out because your ERA right now is 395 and you're afraid that it's going to go to 401 if you have a bad game at the end of the year? Pitch. See if you're good. See if you can compete at this level down the stretch against Philadelphia and New York who are trying to win a division. But Washington players weren't raised that way, slash Montreal players at the time. So it took uh, it took a whole group of guys to change that culture in Washington, and they did. Okay, greatest third baseman of all time. So this was a fun conversation I had over the weekend with my father. My father played in Major League Baseball from 1975 to 1980. And I asked him, because Beltre is going into the Hall of Fame, I said, Dad, who was a better third baseman, Mike Schmidt or George Brett? So I wanted to ask him Mike because... Mike Schmidt was the human vacuum, if I remember correctly. That was like his nickname. I, well, what would the guys from It's Always Sunny say? Mike Schmidt. Michael Jack Schmidt. It says nicknames here, Schmitty. Schmitty. But maybe he... Uh, he he might have been that, but I feel like I don't know. The, Brooks uh, Robinson that? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm... Okay. So anyways, my dad, he said, look, I'm going to be a little bit biased here because they were both unbelievable, and this is a tough choice. I play, He only played in the American League for Texas and Minnesota. So he said, I'm going to go with George Brett because Kansas City was just tremendous in the 70s and the early mid-80s. They were one of the premium teams in the American League, along with the Yankees. Uh, but he was like, man, I just think George Brett was a little bit better than Mike Schmidt. Now, I've gone to a whole bunch of different lists. I will say almost every list, and it might be every list, has Mike Schmidt as the greatest third baseman of all time. Okay. So he's a three-time MVP. He's a 12-time All-Star. He's a 10-time Gold Glove winner, a six-time Silver Slugger winner, and I believe it said he led the National League in home runs eight different seasons in his career. So – my dad didn't really get to play against Mike Schmidt. So I would say when you really do look at his resume, now the one thing is George Brett had a way better batting average uh, and had way more hits. He had more power. So it's just a matter. Yeah, obviously Mike Schmidt, he had 548 home runs. George Brett had 300-something. Okay. all right. But George Brett had 3,000 hits. Mike Schmidt had 2,234. So there was a big power difference. But there was also a gold glove difference. Yeah. 
in that Mike Schmidt had 10 gold gloves in his career. Now, Mike Schmidt was considered by most lists the number one third baseman of all time. Number two and number three seem to be kind of the same guy, but in different orders. Number two and three go before our time. Number two and three were usually Brooks Robinson and Eddie Matthews. Okay. Yeah, I've always yeah I've always seen Matthews in there. Brooks Robinson was a 16-time Gold Glove a winner and wow. an 18-time All Star. So he made 18 All Stars, 16 Gold Gloves, and he has one MVP to yeah. his name. That's amazing. So that would be tough. I'm not knocking. Uh, guess what? Adrian Beltre is on all of these lists. He's just not considered top five as I'm running out of time. Eddie Matthews was a 12-time All-Star and a two-time World Series winner. So it does not have gold gloves here, but I'm going to be honest here. I don't know exactly when the gold glove awards were were given oh, okay. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because his career was in the 50s, like, and I think – Late 40s to early 60s was Eddie Matthews' time with the Milwaukee Braves. Uh, I don't know if they gave out gold gloves. If they did, he is on baseball. 1957. Was when they started giving out gold gloves. Yep. So to his name, he does not have one. So kind of midway through his career, they started giving out gold gloves. Number four is interesting on a lot of lists because he was of Adrian Beltre's time. So I'd love for you guys to talk about this in the two minutes we have left. Is Chipper Jones. A lot of people have him and and George Brett rounding out the top five. So George Brett was not of Adrian Beltre's time, but Chipper Jones was an eight-time All-Star, a two-time Silver Slugger, a one-time batting title, one-time MVP, and won a World Series. When it go when it comes to Chipper Jones and Adrian Beltre, we can be biased here. Do you think of their time they were of about the same era? Beltre came up in the major leagues about 98, if I have the year right, and Chipper Jones was 91, 92. Yeah. I feel like Chipper Jones was the more famous one I guess while he played. Name. So yeah. during that era, I didn't hear about Beltre. I heard about Chipper Jones all the time. And then Beltre was the more famous one after Chipper Jones left. Yeah, and I think Chipper Jones just reached like a little bit of a higher peak. Yeah. Then Adrian Beltre. They're close for sure. And Beltre is considered on almost every list. There was a couple like out of the eight list I looked at didn't have him as a top 10 third baseman of all time. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Adrian Beltre, four-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger, two-time Platinum Gold Glove winner, which means the best glove in your league. Yeah. And then five-time total Gold Glove. And just to give you real quick, George Brett, his resume, 13-time All-Star, only one Gold Glove. Three times he won the batting title, three times Silver Slugger. He won um, one MVP, also an ALCS MVP, and um, a Major League Player of the Year award. So the year that he almost batted 400, he won the Major League Play, like the overall Major League Player of the Year award. And I know we all think it's kind of a given, but are you still super pumped about today? Like, we all know he's going to make it, but are you guys excited? I am. Fingers crossed, you know. I told you (laughs) earlier, I love baseball. It's the thing that I love the most. Taking out people 
It's the thing I love the most. The only reason anybody like in all this people room, or specific people? Specific people. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> I love baseball way more than a lot of people. The only reason anybody in this room would not want Beltre to make it is so Sean you. and RJ's tease would blow up oh, on yeah. his face. <laughs> that is the only he'll he'll make it and also, it's gonna you, be unbelievable. You, didn't, you thought him and Elvis Anders would be too much range on the left side of the I mean, field. That was proven correct. Other That's guys that usually made the list real quick. Wade Boggs was on a top 10, was on top 10 list. Uh, Greg Nettles uh, was also on the list. Scott Rowland, Ron Santo, or a couple others that would make the we gotta top 10 We got to get to the C list. block now, Mike. Done.